It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's, women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com at either the $6 tier, which gets you most of the stories, or the $10 tier, which also gets you access to the film stories and the monthly premium Q&A, which we will be recording sooner than later. That will be out within probably a week or so. Uh, thank you for those questions. If you have questions and you are subscribed to that tier that you want to get in, that is still open. Feel free to send those in. If you are not subscribed but you have questions you'd like answered on that show, again, go to www.theagship.com and subscribe at the $10 tier. Um, we have a game to break down here. We're previewing the upcoming matchup between Utah State and UConn. Utah State heading across the country for the return trip in the home-and-home series that it started last year with the Huskies. UConn is 0-4. Uh, We're going to break this down. We're going to talk about a little bit of news before we do, but we're going to break this down and then we're going to talk about a uh, kind of a quiet week in the Mountain West. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? Hey, Patrick. Um, It's good to be here, man. How's it going? It's good. It's good. We've got this is uh, the 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 matchup here, I think, is a little bit more in Utah State's favor. I would say we have a, a game that the Aggies pretty badly need sitting at one and three. Um, they, you know, just, you, you just can't really start a season one and four. They just did it and they managed to bounce back, but you're putting yourself in a hole. Um, and Utah state, I think needs this one, needs this one pretty badly. UConn also could use this one quite a bit. Like I said, sitting at 0 and four right now, this is a, uh, a backs against the wall game. I think for both teams, we're going to break it down before we do. Like I said, we have a little bit of news, unfortunate news for both Utah state and for the player involved, Kyle Van Leeuwen announced on Instagram yesterday that he is medically retiring from football. Not a huge surprise. He missed most of last season with an ACL tear. He played, I think, a little bit in week one this year, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he played a little bit against Iowa, but he has been in street clothes on the sidelines for most of this season. He has not returned to the field, and it seems that the... uh, the medical issues have have stacked up, unfortunately, for him, and and have uh, have ended his his football career. I would guess he's going to stay around the program in some capacity, potentially as a as a graduate assistant. I think coaching could be very well in his future if he wants to do that. Um, he also has a, a a burgeoning career as an epoxy man. So uh, nothing but the best, of course, for Kyle Van Leeuwen. Uh, unfortunate for him and for Utah State that he will not get to play again. But I think that he will be, uh, I think he'll be taken care of and, uh, you know, just hoping the best for him and, and for, you know, his uh, his path moving forward. Yeah, a huge bummer for for Kyle. Um, he, you know, and, and the team as well. Kyle's a great dude. He comes from a, a really strong Aggie family. I mean, the Van Leeuwen uh, name is is very, very familiar. Everybody kind of, yep. you know, that definitely rings a bell if you've been a Utah State fan for a while. So, um as you mentioned, I would not be surprised to see Kyle here stay pretty involved with the uh, with the program. His his brother Zach played here. Um, I think there was one other brother, Travis. I think that yeah. played here, and then he has a younger brother. I think that is still in the program. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's there's yeah, so many of the, the Van Leeuwen brothers running around now. It's hard to keep track of where they all are, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's where they're. Yeah. I, I know Tim Van Leeuwen was on the roster coming into the season. I don't know if he's still 
is. I would assume he is. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I think he's a walk on. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of Van Lewins running around. There might be more yeah. coming. Even there might be more in the uh, in the yeah. chamber. I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but uh, yeah, very very strong Aggie family. Obviously, a lot of history there with uh, with the guys who came before him and potentially guys who will come after him. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bummer. It is not a huge surprise, but it is a bummer all the same. Um, yep. you want to talk, uh, want to talk some ball here? You want to talk this preview? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this preview. I'm excited for the game. Um, as, as you mentioned, it, it's a game that Utah state desperately needs again, uh, you know, for the second year in a row, kind of a really, really slow start. Um, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here with Blake Anderson. Not only does, uh, do his games start slow, but, uh, the past two seasons have kind of looked the same way. Uh, last year, it's worth noting the Utah, uh, the Aggies did start one and four. The only win was against the Yukon Huskies, that home game that we yeah. opened the season with. And they were uh, before I, losing to. I, uh, yeah, I believe they were down 14 nothing in the first quarter of that game as well, if memory they, serves. <laughs> they were indeed, yep. Um, so they, they beat Yukon before losing to Alabama, Weber State, UNLV, and BYU in a tough stretch. Yeah. Um, this year, it's kind of the reverse where we, we had a tough stretch coming into this game, really looking to, to use this. Uh, in my opinion, to really bounce back and, and fix some of the problems that we've seen, of course, coming off of back-to-back really tough losses at Air Force and against James Madison, James Madison um, the week before that, of course, beating Idaho State, and then the other game, uh, our season opener, a loss at Iowa. So not a great record, but as we've talked about on the show, there has been a lot of good that, we, that we've seen in this team. Um, this is just a game that they, they've they got to put it all together. And they, they there's no excuse, I think, in my mind for losing this game. Yeah. Um, just a quick look at the uh, the college football power index from ESPN. Um, let's just say it does not favor the UConn Huskies. They are 126. They are ranked 126th of 133 teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to put it frankly, that Utah State's in no position to uh, disrespect an opponent or overlook an opponent. Uh, but but just to put it quite blunt, bluntly, uh, UConn is not a good football team, and, and this is a game that uh, we desperately need and should be able to use to to right the ship a little bit. Yeah, I believe that uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus has them in a similar spot. Uh, Parker Fleming's excellent advanced stats previews that he posts on Twitter, I think at Stats of War, um, yeah. has Utah State favored twenty about about thirty to twenty two ish, about an eight point favorite. Um, I think SP Plus is around the same place for that. Utah State, even going on the road here against a team that was in a ball game last year, is for good reason favored. <laughs> UConn is 0-4. As I have said a couple times, UConn has really struggled to find an identity. It has really struggled to find players that it can trust. Um, there have been some injuries. There have been some in-season defections from the program, guys who are uh, announcing their intention to redshirt and then transfer, which will happen when you start 0-4 and aren't especially competitive yeah. in any of those losses. Um, I think the most competitive they have been was actually in the, the season opener. It was a 10-point loss to NC State, which is very funny because they have played worse teams and lost to them since then. They lost to FIU. They lost to Charlotte. Um, they just got smacked around by Duke. That is understandable. Duke is good, but it has yeah, been a yeah. it's been a pretty rough start here for UConn. And we're going to jump right in talking about the UConn offense, which has really been um, pretty odious for them. They have had a lot of trouble with this offense, even going back to last year. Offense has not really been the strength of this program, 
and they are dealing with injuries, dealing with attrition, and really struggling to find much of anything that works on this side of the ball. This is... In theory, a run-heavy offense. In theory, they would like to run the football. They bring back four starters on the offensive line who sh- you know, could and should be able to help them do that. They ran the ball pretty well last year. Um, but they have seen several guys leave from the halfback room. They lost Brian Bruton and Devontae Houston. Just this past week, Houston uh, announced his intention to depart from the program. Um, those were two of their top three halfbacks coming into the season. Those guys are gone. Um, tight end Alexander Honig is also out. He was the starter coming into the year. He's the best blocker at that position. None of the guys they have behind him are really, you know, blocking is not necessarily the strength. Uh, they have size there. Nick Harris Jr., 6'5", 251 pounds, is in theory a pretty good blocker, but he's not really... He's not really been able to show that quite yet, and the starter, Justin Jolly, is much more of a pass catcher. We're going to talk about him when we talk about the passing offense, but um, left in the wake of those departing running backs is one proven guy, Victor Rosa, who is pretty good. He's he's a pretty good halfback. He is He's handled himself pretty well. He is a guy who can take the, the lion's share of the carries. I think he was dinged up earlier in the year and seems to be feeling better, had a pretty good game against Duke. Um, And then behind him, they have some new faces, Cam Edwards and Jalen Mitchell. Mitchell is a grad transfer from Louisville. Edwards is a younger guy, I think he's a sophomore, um, who are now stepping into much bigger roles with the departures of those guys ahead of them. Um, They, uh, from listening to Jim Mora talk about it, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're feeling super confident in their rushing attack or in their running backs. And that has, that has borne out in the play calling, which has kind of shifted away from the running game. Rosa, like I said, has proven himself and is solid, but I think that they are, they're trying pretty hard to keep things away from the other two guys to to keep responsibilities on them pretty light, which means that they are really playing away from the strength of this team. That offensive line, while experienced, is not very good at pass blocking. They're much more a run blocking team. Um, they've had some issues with the new starting center, Yakiri Walker, who is the lone uh, addition to this offensive line change from last year. Um, they're just not running the ball very well, and that is not good because that is where everything starts for this offense. They want to run to set up the pass. They want to run to make things easier on the new starting quarterback, Taquan Roberson, who sounds familiar to Utah State fans because he was the starter going into last season's game and left the game after I think one possession with a season-ending injury. Um, he's back in that position after the starter, Joe Fignano, was injured, I think, potentially for the entire season. I think he's out for the year uh, two weeks in. Roberson is not the best passer in the world, and they try to, they're trying to make things easier on him with the rushing attack, and the rushing attack just hasn't been very good this year. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that I like about this matchup. Not only is it a team that shouldn't be very good, it's also a team that's, uh, you know, it's a it's an offense that's built around the run that can't really run the football right yeah. now. So it's there's there's a lot of things that I like about this matchup. They're just really struggling to find their identity, find any sort of rhythm, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the defensive side of the ball is uh, is a similar story. They're uh, they're built to kind of stop the run and <laughs> probably aren't going to be uh, too particularly good at, at at doing that. So yeah. Um, Again, you, you, you could say that they know who they are, perhaps, you know, but um, they, they yeah. don't seem to be executing yeah, that well. And it is, as you mentioned, there's a lot of attrition and personnel uh, issues going on with, uh, you know, I mean, you start 0-4 and, 
people are going to start uh, start dropping off a little bit. So it's uh, it's definitely not only not only just the kind of level of the opponent, but I think the the specific matchups and just the way that UConn is finding to lose games is uh, I, I think it's it's a good sign of optimism for Utah State. I think they should have no problem really punishing this team for not knowing who they are and not being able to execute their own game plan. Yeah, and you you look at the rushing attack and some of the stats, they're 119th in rushing success rate. Um, They're really, really bad on first down, specifically 127th nationally in early downs EPA. Um, That is not the way to beat this Utah State defense. Utah State has been pretty good on third downs defensively this season. They have forced a lot of longer third downs, and that is, I think why you're seeing a lot of that if you're getting into those longer third downs against this defense you are in trouble and UConn has faced way too many of those way way too many of those is not anywhere near good enough on early downs to uh to make up that sort of ground the passing attack does not really have a vertical aspect to it we're going to talk about that in a second but um just trying to set that up with the rushing attack trying to be physical up front they've really They've really not been able to do that. Uh, they they just the the consistency, the execution has not been there for them, um, and that really makes things hard on the rest of this offense and on the the approach that they want to take in general. Um, <clears throat> and that is just like I said, it's not a good way to play this Utah State team. I think if you want to have success against this defense, the way that we have seen it done is well, first a lot of big plays, like a lot of big plays, and UConn doesn't really create big plays. Um, and second, with a consistent rushing attack that can then make things easier on the passing attack, you, you really, it, it's hard, it's a lot harder to set it up the other way around against this Utah State defense. And I think that if Utah State comes into the game ready to play, which is a very big question and something that they've not really done right. yet, um, yeah. then it, it can, it can set a tone and put UConn, you know, in a, in a really bad game state very early on, because this is not a team that's going to pass the way, pass its way back into a game. Um, they need the run to work and it just hasn't really worked against run defenses that I think are worse than Utah States. Um, Utah State has had some issues in the run defense. I also think that they figured some things out in the second half against James Madison. Anthony Switzer settled into his new spot at linebacker. I wrote about that in the film review. Um, you see some guys, Simeon Harris, I think played well. Jaden Francois played well. Uh, Devin Dye, I thought was excellent. And it seems like is healthy and, and, and ready to go this week. Um, they're finding some answers defensive tackle as well. I thought Sir Mels and Clifton Mosley jr. Were both really, really good in that second half. I would like to see more of them. They have some more prototypical size and can be kind of those space fillers on the inside, which makes things a lot easier on guys like Paul Fitzgerald and Blaine Spires and, uh, John Ward and, you know, Kai and Sloan and all those guys at defensive end and also everybody behind them. I think that Utah State really doesn't need to worry too much about this rushing attack unless something goes very wrong in the first quarter, which is, again, very possible. It has happened before, but UConn is not doing a very good job of imposing its will up front right now, despite having that experienced offensive line. They're just not really doing a good job of anything on either side of the ball. It has not been a good start for them. Their execution has not been very good. Um, it, uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball, especially well, unless Utah state specifically lets them, which, you know, could happen, but I would, I probably wouldn't bank on it. I, I think it's more likely that Utah state is able to have a pretty good day here defensively. And that extends to the Utah state pass defense against a Utah state passing or a, a UConn passing offense that just doesn't throw the ball down the field. Just can't really throw the ball down the field. 
They've got some receivers, including one who I think Utah State fans would be familiar with, Jordan Porter, who was at New Mexico. Um, Brett Buckman, as well, as a transfer from the FCS level. Slot man Cam Ross is back. He was a guy here last year. And then Justin Jolly, the tight end who I mentioned. Um, those guys are, it, to varying levels, decent at what they do. I think Jolly's a pretty good player for them already. Um, but the issue is twofold. One, Roberson doesn't really throw the ball down the field. It's just not his game. I, I don't know why they aren't using him as a runner more. He's a good runner. He's just not done it a whole lot. Um, but he doesn't have a huge arm. He's not a huge guy. He is pretty good underneath. But beyond that, you're really asking a lot, and you're probably putting yourself at risk of some turnovers. And so they just haven't done it. Um, and then in the receiving core side of things, none of these guys are deep threats. They're all possession guys. Every single one of them is a possession guy. There's not a lot of size there. There's not a lot of speed there. It's a lot of guys who basically play the same style. And so there's just not there's not a lot of diversity in this passing attack, and there's really not a lot that works here. They've, they've been doing a lot of screens. Almost 18% of his drop or his attempts have been behind the line of scrimmage. And as Utah State would know, screens don't really work when the defense doesn't respect you, right? It's not, it's not, you, you can't, there's no space. The defense is just blowing it up, playing it like they would the run because they know that you're not going to run past them. If you try, you're not going to complete the pass. They've had no real deep threat um, in this passing attack. I think they've completed like two passes 20 yards down the field, um, if that. They haven't even really tried them that often. This, it's just, it's a limited offense. It's a very, very limited offense. And I think that it would require some, some seriously, you know, bad play on Utah State's side. It would, it would require some busted coverages, some missed assignments for UConn to get a ton going on offense here. It's just not a very good offense. There's not, there's not really another way to say it. It's just not a very good offense. Yeah, it's it's really not, and and that limited offense, I think, is, um, I mean, and this isn't uh, this isn't something unique. It was, uh, it, it's kind of an offense that I think will uh, make it kind of difficult almost for our some of our defensive guys to make big plays, or at least in the secondary. I mean, this isn't a team that, yeah. I mean, they just don't put the ball in the air enough to, you know to get it picked off they're they're not throwing they're not going deep down the field um now i would i would venture to guess that if they do try to do something like that ill-advised um, <laughs> it, it's ill-advised and they i think there's a good chance uh somebody wearing blue and white well they wear blue and white too yeah. uh you, you somebody somebody wearing utah state jersey comes down with it yeah um i this is not a secondary especially with this new defense that we're that we're you know trying to figure out um you know, that we kind of debuted against that James Madison team last week. Uh, that's a really, really athletic, mean, hungry secondary that, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of yards in the air. And if you try, they're, they're just going to take it right away from you. I mean, they've, they've shown that. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I'd like to see that I, that I have yet to see from this Utah state team is getting into the backfield and, and just bringing down the quarterback. The, the pass rush yeah. has been, uh, existent for yeah. sure. And there, there was that play last week where, uh, you know, we heard the QB into throwing it right to uh, Anthony Switzer. Um, but th this team has not picked up a lot of sacks yet. I know it's not exactly what uh, the defense is, is trying to do, but 
Sacking the quarterback is is never not yeah. a good thing. It would it's be nice to have. You, it would... <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to have. I mean, I, I I can't imagine Joe Cotton being upset if we get some sacks this game. And this is the this is the team that uh, if, even if it's not the game plan going forward, it's just nice to know you can get into the backfield and, and cause some chaos there. Um, and and the way that UConn throws the ball that that might be the way that you really uh, come up with big plays because I'm not I'm not imagining a lot of interceptions. If these guys are throwing interceptions, then their offensive coordinator should be unemployed by the end of the night because yeah. it's, this is a tough team to throw against. And so if you're going to see big plays on the defense uh, for Utah State, it's going to probably be on the on the other side of the line of scrimmage trying to stop the, uh, you know, get the pass, the passer down before he can get rid of the ball. Um, but really, I, I I look at this this defense across the board, and they they should have a really really good night. Um, it, it, this is a tough Utah State team to pass against, anyways. And with the the adjustments we made last week, plus their ability to throw the ball, uh, I I'm just not foreseeing a whole lot of yards in the air for uh, for the UConn Huskies this week. Yeah, I I think that probably UConn's best case scenario is missed tackles right it, both against the run and and on yeah, those those yeah. short completions if you let a five yard slant become a 75 yard touchdown then you're gonna be you know you're making things a lot easier on the offense and utah state has had some issues with that james madison scored a couple of those um those receivers are also better than uconn's by a pretty yes. a pretty good margin i i do have yes. i have a couple quotes here from jim mora from his press conference this week that i just i'm gonna i'm gonna rattle off and i want to get your reaction to and and what this maybe tells you about how he's feeling about these wide receivers uh so first one here he says you have to run the football to bring people up and then when you get one-on-one opportunities the guys have to make contested catches in football players aren't open all the time quarterbacks have to throw a guy open and receivers have to make a play we work very hard as a staff to create concepts that match the talents of our players, put them in a position to do things, and try to shake them open with crossing routes, picks, double moves, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's football. You have to beat the man in front of you. That's technique and the things you work on during the week. Uh, it's like that at every position. It's like that at, rec- at receiver. There's a moment of truth. Here comes the ball at the moment of truth. Who's going to win? We have to find a way to win. Um, and then the second one, <laughs> this is kind of harsh. This is kind of a harsh quote, I would say, in week five. This is not necessarily what you want your coach to be saying heading into the fifth game of a season. Uh, he says, your responsibility as a coach is to get the best out of the guys on your team and to help them maximize their talent. That's your job. Your other job is all is to always try to recruit above what you have. It sounds kind of harsh, but it is the truth. You have to do both. We were very active this offseason trying to recruit wide receivers. We went after every one of them, but we didn't have the money to get a lot of those guys who were in who we were in the game with. We're not a we're not a power five team. We'd be right in the hunt, and a power five team would show up and say we're a we're a power five team. I can give you twenty five to fifty grand. We can't do that, and we're not going to win those battles. But we're going to keep trying to fight them. We have to keep developing the young men we have to the best of our ability as coaches, and we have to go out and recruit. Um, <laughs> that's those are those are brutal. <laughs> kind of setting off some some uh alarm bells <laughs> those are brutal so let me go back to that first quote if i'm hearing that right he's i mean the moment of truth in football is yeah. not the moment before a receiver catches the ball that is yeah that is that you you should be yeah maybe setting yourself up before that <laughs> you should be you should be making enough completions in a game 
to where that is not considered like the moment of truth. I mean, you're considering this some sort of massive win if your quarterback puts the ball in the air and your guy goes and gets it. That is yeah. not Yeah. That's not a win. Winning a football game, that's the moment of truth. When the when the when the buzzer when the clock hits zeros and you're winning, you know? Yeah. Like, that's brutal. And that second I mean that second <laughs> quote I think is a lot more telling. I mean wow, that is Yeah yeah that's ugly i mean to to just completely throw your receiving court under the bus um complain about oh yeah we had all these we had all these we were, good football yeah. players we were talking to but they all went other places yeah man that's don't, ugly don't, that's... Don't, don't get me wrong we wanted the good players <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah. my fault we didn't get the good players yeah, they all Jordan, went to power five schools jordan, like, oh my jordan, jordan porter was like a thousand yard receiver on an awful new mexico team is he, he... <laughs> Is he that bad, really? Yeah, is he? Know, you can't. You can't figure out something to do with this guy. You you grabbed a you know an, a really good FCS player. These guys aren't good enough for you. Is that the? That's the yeah. who, who recruited well, these and, guys? Who scouted it's these so guys? Funny. Yeah, being a group of five, a non-power five, because I, I guess they're independent in football. Which I mean, that that is rough. I, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll throw them a bone. Yeah, that is rough. But I mean, he's acting like he's in some sort of like unique situation by yeah. not being in the power five. Like, dude, join the club. Like, yeah. Utah Everybody State also isn't in, yeah. Utah State also isn't in the Power Five and can't get into those battles. Still figured out some stuff at receiver. wasn't that wasn't that big of a deal to go and get some guys who could fill out the receiver room. Um, yeah, that is uh, that's not good. And if you're if you're hearing that as a fan, um, that's yeah, yeah, alarm bells. Alarm bells should be going off. And and keep in mind, like every coach does their little coach speak. You know, they they have their own language where everything they're saying is actually. Yeah you know, 10% more optimistic than how they feel. Yeah. I mean, wow. If that's what he's saying in public, how does he really feel? You know, he must yeah. be, uh, yeah. this, he's losing sleep over his receiving core clearly. Yeah. And, and something, you know, I think we've maybe referenced this before. Um, a lot of the times when coaches talk, when they're talking in a press conference situation, when they're talking at a, at a luncheon, when they're talking wherever they are, they're not talking directly to who they are talking to. They're answering the question, but they are usually trying to send the message to someone specific, be it boosters, be it fans, be it right, you know, administrators, right. or usually players. Usually they're yeah, talking they're, to their players. players yeah. um, if you're a wide receiver who came to this program this offseason, who joined these guys this offseason, who you know signed up with them and is is either not seeing a ton of playing time or is seeing playing time and isn't having a ton of success like Porter's not seen a whole lot of receptions this season is this like motivating you oh <laughs> oh wow well you're, you're I was just the guy you could get huh that's okay cool yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I've not they're, they're sitting there thinking like I could have asked for more money and gone somewhere yeah. else like yeah you, I'm only here because you got me on a discount like I'm only here because goodness. the p5 schools didn't offer me 25 to 50 grand that's why I got that's why you signed me up I don't know if that's the best motivating tactic in the world um yeah you know what I'll say this for us to complain about how Blake has been treating Cooper in the press conferences <laughs> <laughs> at least we're at least we're not dealing with this. I yeah, mean, he's he's not like calling Cooper out for for being like a loser. He's he's not. 
like, oh, yeah, we're like, just stuck with these. Guys... We're just stuck with these schmucks. Like, no, he's talking about actionable things that you can see on the football field. This is just yeah. like fundamentally, my roster stinks. Jim Moore is coming out. My roster stinks, and it's not even my fault. It's somebody else's fault that my roster stinks. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do. And, and by I the way, when you're the head coach, that is never true. No, when you're the head coach, it is always. I mean, sometimes <laughs> as a as a first year head yeah. coach, it's it's tough. And I'll even say in Utah, especially. Um, where a lot of the players you recruit take two years off and then come back and play. So you can be yeah. in your third year as a head coach and be getting guys that you didn't recruit. So I, I you know, I'll, I'll cut you some slack there, but man, like when you're the head coach, the roster is a hundred percent your responsibility. It's not anybody else's fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he, and he says it, he says, that's your job. Your other job is to always try to recruit above what you have, right? You have to develop the guys you have and you have to try and recruit above what you have. It doesn't seem like they're doing either of those things. It seems like they have failed in both of those jobs, which would be maybe (laughs) clearly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I would come out and say that if I was, you know, given a performance review, I don't know that I would lead with, well, you know, I have two jobs and I haven't done either of them. So uh, (laughs) that's what at but it's not my fault because somebody else uh was better at my job than i am okay cool i'm gonna go hire that guy (laughs) i don't really i don't really know what you're doing here then if that's the case um i I, it's kind of a kind of a nasty quote i don't really like to don't really like to see that from a from a head coach and and uh there's there are a couple others that i'm going to reference as we continue to go through this but yeah that's how uconn feels about its receivers and um i don't know that there's a whole lot more we could add on them that would be more damning than that that is not that's not ideal that's not an ideal quote going into week five um moving to the other side of the ball here the utah state run offense against uconn's run defense this is in theory the strength of this team this is this is what they want to be good at more as a defensive head coach. I think he's calling the plays on the defense and, and was last year. Um, I don't think they even had a DC last year. They might have gone out and hired one just before the season this year, but he has uh, he has largely kept that in-house and kept that to himself. Um, this is a, a more traditional kind of throwback 4-3 defense. They have three linebackers usually on the field. Um, they like to have their four defensive linemen. This is a pretty big defensive line. Uh, Price Yates and Eric Watts, the defensive ends, are 6'3", 272, and 6'5", 277. They have two guys up over 300 pounds in the four-man defensive tackle rotation with Jelani Stafford and Rashawn Wilkins. They also have two guys right up near there with the other starter, Dalmont uh, Gordeen and Sequoia McDuffie. Um, they, so they have some size here. They have some linebackers, guys like Jackson Mitchell and Noah Plack, who have been around. Um, Plack has been pretty good this year. Mitchell, who was a star last year, has been kind of disappointing. It just hasn't been a great year for him so far. Um, and this rushing defense, which was supposed to be kind of the strength of the team, has not been very good at all. I mean, they're they're I don't remember exactly what the number was. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, they're 96th in rushing yards allowed per game, 153 yards, a little over 153 yards. They've been just kind of pushed around. They've they've been pushed around up front. Those big bodies have not really gotten off blocks especially well. Um, The linebackers have not cleaned things up especially well. They've given up too many big plays. Their secondary is down a guy with Chris Shearer in the nickelback, who I think is maybe transferring. I have not gotten formal confirmation on that but he did not play against duke and i think he might be another guy who has left the program he was a starter multiple year starter very good tackler for them um they just they just haven't played very well in the in the run defense which is really like i said supposed to be the strength of this team and the strength of this program they have gotten kind of bullied both by good rushing attacks like duke's 
and by rushing attacks like Charlotte's that are not, or, you know, FIU actually has a decent rushing attack, but rushing attacks like Charlotte's that are not especially impressive or, or strong up front. Um, there's more, there's another place where there's some room for Utah State to get some stuff done here. I don't know the health of Robert Briggs. Uh, Blake Anderson is not really fully given any any clarity on that, but I would assume that Davon Booth and Rasul Faison are ready to go, and I would guess that they could be in for some pretty big days here. Yeah, you, you'd think so, and you'd hope so. Um, again, and this this is going to be the story. I think every game they they got size up front, probably more more so than than we do. That's something Blake Anderson mentioned in his uh, press conference last week after the James Madison loss. Kind of looking forward to this game a little bit. Yeah, um, they are big. I mean, they're you look at your schedule, and this is one of the games where you think. Uh, you know, maybe there's a few teams that we will be bigger than, and maybe it's UConn. They're our basketball school. You know, they're uh, clearly their football program's not uh, in a good way right yeah, now. But that's not, not a, true. They are not a recruiting hotbed of big bodies necessarily. No, not a ton of big guys up in new up in the New England area. Not not, not yeah, necessarily the style not. there. Yeah, I mean, so it'd be easy to assume, oh, well, we'll have size on these guys, but they 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 are big. They're they're big, and Utah State is kind of built in a way that. Um, our, our advantage is, is not supposed to be size, thankfully. No. Otherwise, we'd lose a lot of games. It's supposed to be athleticism, which I think will be the case in this game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they got some dudes up front that are that are big. But, I mean, it's – yeah, this is this is supposed to be the strength of the defense they, uh, for UConn. They, there's potential there. But it's really hard to look at anything other than last week against James Madison, one of the really, really elite um, – rushing defenses in the country and we were formidable we were good against them i i mean if jmu couldn't stop booth then i i I don't know how like uconn doesn't have an answer for this guy yeah um so i mean looking past booth my concern would probably just be is briggs healthy he he did play last week not not much and neither did Faison. Faison was more of a matchup thing briggs is more of a health thing yeah uh, as, as far as i understand so you know, I'm I'm not concerned about do they stop our team or are they are they going to hold us to to you know under a hundred or under two hundred yards? I mean, we're we're going to get as many rushing yards as we want. Yeah. Um, my concern would be more on the individual level. I'd love to see Robert Briggs get out there if he's healthy. I'd love to see him uh, churning up the field. Same with Faison. Um, Booth has started to emerge as the bell cow uh, running back. Um, so I'd love to see the other two that clearly have a ton of talent. We've seen we've seen flashes of both. Um, it's it's more on the individual level. I'd love to see those two get involved and, and really just, um, you know, be able to to bust loose a little bit. Yeah, I think that this is probably a good opportunity specifically for Faison for two reasons. One, um, on a down by down basis, the run defense here for UConn has not been that bad. They're 35th in success rate allowed. Um, that's pretty good, right? It's it's more that when they do allow a run, it's usually a big run. They've given up way too many big runs. They've also been pretty much uh, about about as bad as you could possibly be on first and second down. Um, they are uh, 118th in success rate allowed on those early downs. Utah State's offense, meanwhile, 17th in the same situation. 
Um, Faison is sort of the big, you know, the home run hitter of this group. Booth has done it too. Booth is, you know, Booth and Briggs are both are both quick enough to make that happen. But that would be, I think that's half of of where you could see Faison really step in here and and where you could see him shine is getting those big plays, breaking into the second level, forcing these bigger linebackers and these bigger linemen to chase you, which they just don't have a ton of speed. That's been an issue for them. Um, And then secondly, as we move into the... the pass defense aspect of things, um, these guys don't pressure the quarterback even a little bit. They they just, they don't. They're 114th in sacks this season. They don't have any real pass rushers on the team. Um, Price Yates and, and backup defensive end Colin McCarthy are kind of the closest they have to actual edge rushers, and neither of those guys have been especially effective in that. They just don't get to the quarterback very well, and the biggest ding on Faison so far, and the thing that kept him off the field against James Madison, is that he is not super comfortable as a pass protector at this point. He's not, he just doesn't really, he's he's a guy who's still learning how to do that. It's not been a huge part of his career to this point, whereas Booth is a little bit more physical, a little bit more capable of handling that. He has the you know, he's lower to the ground, has the leverage advantage, knows how to use it, I think is is probably the most trustworthy pass protector they have in the backfield, whereas Faison is, I think, the guy you would least want back there. If there's not yeah. much pressure, there's no real reason not to have Faison on the field. I think that he is the, the, like I said, the home run hitter of this rushing attack and somebody who I would imagine will see quite a bit of playing time um, in this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, he's not going to bat 300, but but he's gonna, you know, when he when he gets a hold of one, he's gonna put the ball in the air, yeah. you know, four hundred fifty feet uh, to keep the baseball metaphor there. He's um, he is very very good at those explosive plays. And to your point, really, I think the reason we didn't see him last week is that that passer protection. Yeah, um, he's, he's still settling into that. Um, but he he's a fantastic running back. I mean, you know, um, that that's his that's his job. Yeah. right now on this offense because we do have Booth who can protect the quarterback when needed. But this is a great game that can get him – you know, this is a great the great matchup that can get him in the game. Uh, and I, I love to see what he can do with the balls in his hands because he is uh, – he he's a home run hitter. There's really yeah. no other way to put that. I mean, he's a, he's a big yardage guy. He's, he's really fun to watch, and I don't think there's anybody on this team. Like you said, if he can get that line turned around – no one's catching him. No one's yeah. going to come close to catching him. And he's, uh, he, he's shown that against better defenses than this one yeah. that he can, uh, he can really get that line turned around and, and then they're lost. Yeah. And, and if you are a defense like this one that is struggling with second level tackling with third level tackling with those big plays, um, Rasul Faison is not really the kind of running back you want to see in open space. He's very, very, very hard to get on the ground once he gets into the open field. Um, He's very slippery. He's he's decisively slippery, I think, for how big he is and how how upright a runner he is. Um, he's, he's elusive. He's a lot more elusive, I think, than you would expect just from looking at his measurables. He's a hard guy to get on the ground. And if you're struggling to do that just in general, it's certainly not going to get any easier with, with uh, number three coming at you. That is not, is not a favorable matchup for, for uh, UConn, um, nor really is the passing game. Their pass defense has been better than the run defense. They're 54th nationally in passing yards allowed. I think part of that is due to the fact that you can just get whatever you want on the ground against these guys. Um, but their secondary, even without Sheeran and losing him does hurt their secondary, their cornerback room, their safeties have been pretty, 
pretty good in pass coverage. Malik Dixon-Williams, I think, is back in the starting lineup at safety. He's a pretty good player. Uh, Durante Jones and Stan Cross have both played a lot of football and are experienced also at safety. And then the cornerback core, Damon Brinson, uh, Mumu Bin-Wahad, Malcolm Bell, and Armani Archie are all pretty solid. They've got a four-man group there that I think is pretty decent um, and has handled itself fairly well in the secondary, I think, has some guys who can match up pretty well with what Utah State has at receiver. The issue is, like I said earlier, they don't get any pressure. There's no real there's no real rush to throw the ball for opposing quarterbacks. And um, we have seen, I mean, we've seen what McKay Hillstead can do when you give him a little bit of time. When you let him cook in the pocket, we've not even really got to see it that much because he's faced a lot of pressure these first two weeks. When he has had the chance to cook, he is very, very, very dangerous. He's very hard to beat. And I think even good coverage is not really going to be sufficient because he's so good at placing the ball with anticipation and throwing his guys open and, and putting them in position to go win. Um, you know, the, in the, as, as, uh, as, as Jim Mora would say in the moment of truth, um, the moment of truth very, very strongly favors Utah state. If McKay Hill said it has the time to throw. And I, I think that unless UConn suddenly figures some things out in how they rush the quarterback, I would imagine that he's going to have a lot of time to do that, and I would I would imagine that these receivers will have a lot of opportunities to go win one on one matchups against a defense that just doesn't get a ton of help from its its front you know seven right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you circled back to the uh, the pass rush, the UConn pass rush, because that's exactly where I was going to go with our passing attack this game. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't care how good their cornerbacks are. <laughs> yeah, McKay Hillstead has shown that it it doesn't matter. No, uh, he double coverage, good cornerback, great coverage doesn't matter. He will, he's going to find the right guy and then he's going to gently place the ball directly in his front pocket um, in stride for, for a gain of however many yards he wants. I mean, he's not um, the the backfield is not the problem for McKay Hillstead right now. It's, it's blatantly clear watching him play and watching this uh, Utah state offense. It's the offensive line that can't keep him upright long enough to, to make good plays. And so, you know, if we if if this is a game where Roswell Faison can really excel, then it's definitely a game where McKay Hillstead can throw for as many yards as he wants. Because if we can if we can keep that line off of him and keep him safe in that pocket, um, he's going to be able to get his receivers very very involved. He's got unbelievable vision. He's got unbelievable talent at just placing the ball at the perfect spot. He's uh, he's very, very good. This is going to be a game, I think, where we're going to be able to see what he can really do. I mean, it's this. This could be the equivalent of the uh, the Idaho State game, where uh, that was that was primarily Cooper's game, and he played most of that game. Uh, this could be this could be McKay's version of that. It really, just an opportunity to show what he can do against a defense that has no business being on the same field as him. Yeah, uh, he he could really pick these guys apart. Um, that being said. You know, like you mentioned, unless UConn does figure something out with the rush, yeah, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to, you know, game plan. You know, if we can figure it out, certainly UConn's coaching staff can figure it out. I wouldn't be surprised to well. see them try to rush <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if they have the personnel to do it. I mean, this, uh, I don't know if they can, and, and maybe they, maybe they won't even if they want to, but. I think the best thing for Utah State, probably the whole game, is is just the the time that we're going to be able to give 
McKay in the in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. There, that is. I I think that that definitely is is the the focus here, and I, I do think that there is a path for Utah State, even if UConn is bringing heavy pressure. Of um, like I said, those linebackers aren't super fast. That line isn't super fast. You get Falapulealo out as a as a puller in space for a guy like Rasul Faison, and you make those linebackers track from a from a blitz to the sideline. They're not gonna catch him they're just not going to catch him and then you're going to have Falapulealo blocking a safety 10 yards down the field that's not a favorable matchup for UConn um <clears throat> there are just there's a lot of weaknesses on this team there are a lot more weaknesses than there are strengths um I will my my last point on this is I mentioned him a couple times Chris Shear in the nickelback uh not being there needing them needing to find a new guy to take on that spot uh, do you happen to know who the number two receiver in the country is right now for receptions tied for first as well with six touchdowns? I have no idea. That would be Terrell Vaughn, who um, has really? th- wow. he had, yeah, 38 receptions to this point in the season through four games. He uh, plays in the slot, <laughs> like always, pretty much exclusively plays in the slot. And I think that slot corner, if you are going up against Utah State, is not really the place you want to be putting a new starter in. Uh, that's that's I I personally I would not want to do that. I would not want a guy for starting his first game to be covering Terrell Vaughn. I I wouldn't really want a guy starting his first season to be covering Terrell Vaughn. Terrell Vaughn has gotten open against much better cornerbacks than what what UConn has available. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a uh, I think this is a numbers game here for Terrell Vaughn. I think this is he he's got he's got a couple. Uh, record book, you know, entries in his sights this season. If he can keep at the pace that he's on right now, if he keeps that pace, he would uh, pretty much demolish, I think, both the single season receptions record and touchdown record for a receiver at Utah State. Um, this is a chance to to even maybe expedite that pace a little bit. I think that he will be a pretty big part of the offense here because I just don't think that UConn has anybody who can really stick with him. I don't think a lot of teams do. I... I, I the op- the chance to and the the ability to cover Terrell Vaughn is not one that many teams have in college football. We we've seen that even oh, yeah, against some of the best defenses that Utah State will play this season. He's a hard guy to keep track of. Yeah, he he's really good. This is definitely a resume game for him. Um, you know, so that reminded me of something uh, in this again in this press conference last week. Um, I'm not sure if you caught it. It was kind of a, a smaller, a smaller comment and a smaller question for Blake Anderson, but somebody brought up the comparison between oh, yes. uh, Terrell yeah. Vaughn and our guy DT last year, uh, who of course is now playing in the NFL and, you know, a, a fan favorite. Um, and Blake Anderson responded by saying that Terrell Vaughn is as important to the offense this year than DT was last year, which I thought was a very bold statement to say that, you know, Devin Tompkins, DT, he is one of the probably most talented and best receivers we've seen in Logan for yeah. uh, for a long, long time and was the centerpiece of the offense last year. Granted, it wasn't the uh, the greatest offense we've we've had, but uh, that was a that was a telling comment, I think, from Blake Anderson to say that Terrell Vaughn is as important as DT. Um yeah. High praise for the guy, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and that's... Deservedly so. And that's the owner of the, the single-season receptions record currently, 101 <laughs> for, for Tompkins in 2021. Um, I don't think that the yards record is necessarily under fire. He, he, almost, he also had like 1,800 receiving yards that season. Um, but, yeah, Vaughn is uh, it very much... He, the the volume is, is there for him to be that kind of focal point. He's not the same 
exact kind of receiver. He's not the same kind of deep threat that Tompkins was, but he is open just as often, if not more so. And I think that that will yeah. continue here would be my, uh, would be my guess. Um, as for, uh, for how this one will play out, I have one more, more a quote <laughs> that I think is going to let, I think I'm probably just going to let do the talking for me here. I'm, I have not yet made my prediction for the preview story. I think Utah state's going to win. Um, probably by a couple scores. And the Jim Mora quote here is, we are improving. We have to earn the right for fans to support us. It's so much harder to go from one win to six than it is to go from six to seven. The expectations probably got a little out of hand based on where this program had been. How many games did UConn win in the last five years? We didn't win but five or six games in five years. There's a reality check. It's growing, but it's not necessarily obvious to the outside eye. We're not in a motorboat. We're in a frigate trying to turn. We have the right people trying to turn it with these players and this staff. Um, that does not sound like a confident man. <laughs> that does not sound like a coach who feels especially good about his team and his program right now. Um, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, uh, a, that's, a bold, a, that's a bold statement, I would say, from a sitting head coach on his own team is that it's a frigate. We're, we're, we're turning a giant boat right now. Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's yes, troubling yeah quite the statement um very uh very aggressively yeah. out there uh, uh reducing expectations for the rest of the season clearly um yeah yeah UConn is uh they're in a tough spot right now and and let's be uh I, I'm with you I do think Utah State wins I think they cover the line is currently at five and a half in favor of the Aggies I I think this could get very, very ugly. I think Utah State needs it too. I think Utah State needs another um, Idaho State game. I think they need another 2018 style beatdown of of a team that that is vulnerable. Um, but let's let's also be honest about where our Aggies are at. This is not a team without weakness. Um, they are they are running a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of uh, identity right now, and one of those personalities is going to take over the other. Um, and so Utah State in desperate need of getting the uh, having the good take over the bad in short order. If yeah. they do that, this is going to be um, very, very ugly for UConn. And, you know, it's it's tough to turn that big of a boat around. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a big boat. That's well, a large that's a large boat to turn around. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, this is I think it's definitely a, uh, you know, there's an opportunity for Utah State to to set its path moving forward for the rest of the season here. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times you would call this a get right game. This is a a chance for Utah state to figure some stuff out, show that it has figured some stuff out, build some positive momentum going into conference play. I think it's well-timed. I think that they needed a game like this. Um, And you got to just go do it now. You know, this, this, this could go very, very South if Utah state doesn't show up ready to play, has those same first quarter struggles, lets UConn get into some of the stuff that it wants to do and hasn't really been able to this year. This is a team that has size. This is a team that has some stuff it would like to do and just hasn't done yet. Um, you can't, you just can't let them get going. This has to be a statement game for Utah State, I think. And if, if it is, that can be the basis for some serious momentum going forward and, and for figuring out the kind of team that they want to be and, and for getting, you know, be, being a lot closer to the good version of this team rather than the bad version that has cost it three games. Um, it's a get right game. I, I think firmly it's a get right game for Utah state and you got to take advantage of those. Yeah, it is a get right game. It, it, it certainly needs to be, 
uh, looking ahead at the following opponents, it's this, this is it. We're, you know, we, we got air force out of the way early um, before jumping back into non-conference play, but uh, conference play starts in earnest after this game, after this game is over. So yep. if, if you aren't figuring out some of those problems, uh, games matter a lot more and you're playing tougher opponents in the coming weeks. So definitely a get right game, an opportunity to make a statement, but um, definitely uh, a lot to, to, a lot to look, sorry, a lot to look for in this game, particularly uh, are we, are we seeing improvement where we need to see improvement? Are they making the changes that they have, you know, that Blake's been talking about since the Iowa game, or are they going to come out ready to play or are they, are they going to carry that first quarter curse through, you know, four games into the conference play when when some of the season goals start to get a little bit um you know out of reach so definitely definitely a get right game and uh not one that you uh you know you you don't have one to spare at this point so you yep. gotta make it count yep i think that's all we have on this one let's yep. roll through the mountain west here real quick which is in large part save for two other games beginning in earnest now as we get into week five um, the first of two non-conference games left here outside of this one uh, is, yeah, unless I'm missing one. No, the, the first of, of the two others, Boise State at Memphis. There's also Utah Tech at Colorado State. I'm going to just write that second one off the board entirely. Don't really think we need to talk about that. Get the job done. Be, beat an FCS team. That's the That has been the statement here on this show throughout the season. Beat your FCS teams yeah. and, and move on. Yeah. Um, that could be our motto. Yeah, just 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 don't do anything stupid, Colorado <laughs> yeah, State. The action, the, the FCS team. <laughs> just don't do anything stupid. Um, yeah. On the on the former on Boise State at Memphis, this is a really interesting game to me because yeah, these are this is the same program, this is the same team even right now. You have kind of an embattled coach who is taking over and and trying to establish himself at a at a G five you know traditional G five power who has struggled to find some of the same success that his predecessors did. Um, so on a program level, you get that with, with Andy Avalos and Ryan Silverfield at Memphis, who has been in a kind of similar situation for several years now after taking over for Mike Norvell. Um, and then on a team basis, both of these teams have bad defenses and one offensive player, and both of those one offensive players are running backs. It's Ashton Genty and, um, oh, what's his name? Blake Watson, who's the running back at Memphis. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the game. And <laughs> you have two very similar teams here. I think it probably comes down to which sort of shaky quarterback between Seth Hennigan and, and Taylor Green is better, honestly, and which defense can maybe figure some things out. I don't feel great about this matchup for Boise State, um, but I, I think they can win it. They just need they need guys to step up who haven't really stepped up yet this season. Yeah, Memphis is three and one, where Boise State's two and two. But Memphis also hasn't really beat anybody. They beat Navy last week. They they won at Arkansas State, and then uh, or, or sorry, not last week. Last week they lost to Missouri. Yeah, Mizzou. So, um, so kind of a yeah, really similar similar teams. I again, I I haven't felt good about a Boise State matchup in a while. Um, <laughs> at least this season they. Uh, they, I think they need this one as much as anybody can can possibly need a game. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be tough. Very similar uh, game style, like you said, with a really strong running back, shaky quarterback, and uh, you know all the rest. But we'll see how this one goes for the Broncos. Again, it's it, it is uh, far be it from me to to say the Broncos are just not good this year because they they've they seem like they're going to figure it out for, for conference play. They just, they, they always figure it out for conference play. 
Um, so they, they do have me nervous if they start to start to put things together, but yeah, they're definitely not looking like they have in the past and they're not looking the way they want to look right now. Yep. Yep. Next up here, moving into conference play, we've got four games. Um, <clears throat> I, I would say one good one and then three that are kind of similar. Uh, San Diego State at Air Force is the closest to a good one. I, I think Air Force might just roll them up here. I don't know that San Diego State really has uh, yeah. a ton going on in this game. I think San Diego State is firmly the best of the underdogs going on the road to play a better team in the conference this week. But I I have a lot of concerns about that offense against a very good Air Force defense. I have a lot of concerns about that defense against a very good Air Force offense. I think it's it's really another chance for Air Force to show off its strength here. I would guess that the Falcons are going to roll in this one. Yeah, this is this has Air Force just written all over it. Yeah. Um, Air Force has, in my mind, Air Force is solidly the number two team in the conference right now. Um, really, all of this game is is a chance to maybe make a make a play at that you know, top spot uh, yeah. with Fresno playing a um, kind of a um, smaller opponent, a, a less impressive opponent. Air Force is really, really good this year. They, they're they really good. That's all, that's all this. Yeah. That's all there is in this game. San Diego state has looked okay at times. They've looked shaky at times. Um, they've had some good moments as well, but Air Force just looks, yeah, they, there's no weakness on this team. They are, very, very good. Yeah, they're very, very good. Uh, also in the conference here, Hawaii at UNLV, New Mexico at Wyoming, and Nevada at Fresno State. Uh, like I said, three kind of similar games where you have firmly bottom half of the conference teams playing firmly top half of the conference teams. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess Hawaii at UNLV is probably the one that sees the two teams closest in quality level, but I think that the three home teams are going to win pretty pretty comfortably here to varying degrees. Fresno is maybe on record book watch for this one. Yeah, Fresno State is going to put up a basketball score against yeah. Nevada. They are, uh, yeah, again, Fresno State, very, very, very good football team. Nevada, football team. <laughs> yeah, they have so they have 11 <laughs> players on both sides of the ball, and they, they are playing them. They fielded a full team this year. Yep. Props to the Wolfpack. <laughs> we'll see if they can keep doing that. Um, I, I would agree with you. I think Hawaii at UNLV is probably the most evenly matched. Uh, good good opportunity for UNLV to prove that they're legit. I'm high on the Rebels this year, actually. I'm starting to think that they're legit. I think they're yeah. real. Yeah. Um, so a good, good chance for them to kind of prove that, keep that going. This, Wyoming, is, this is also, um, I will say, a classic, classic UNLV letdown spot where people yeah. start to think that they're good and then they lose one like this. Absolutely, that is vintage UNLV. So we'll see if they can if they can avoid that this season. Yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, it's either that or uh, when they play the uh, the Battleborn game uh, yeah. against Nevada, they'll yeah. drop that one or something. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's the following week, so they're oh, probably oh good. They're going <laughs> to blow out Hawaii, and then they're going to go to Reno, and and that'll be the letdown game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, fun fun thing to watch there for UNLV coming weeks. Um, yeah, not much else. Wyoming and New Mexico, that could be uh, that could go in a lot of different ways. Wyoming has enjoyed making games ugly and New Mexico sure certainly doesn't make things pretty, so that one yeah. could be just a a very ugly matchup, but I don't see I don't see Wyoming losing that game and Yeah. Uh, I, I, so it should go it should go chalk, I think. Yeah, I I would worry about the the putting up, you know, putting points on the scoreboard aspect of the game there for New Mexico. <laughs> I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of opportunities to do that. 
Um, yeah, probably not. Yeah, even with a you know an offense that has done some good things this season, that's you just went to Air Force with UMass. Let's maybe <laughs> maybe take yeah. some baby steps here. I don't know if yeah. that's uh, quite. I don't know if that's going to be quite the same deal as a trip to Laramie. That is uh, step up in quality. Laramie's a little bit. not a not a fun place to play. No, generally. no, not a fun place to play. Um, all right, I think that's all we got this time, Parker. Unless you have anything else. That's it. Cool. We will talk to you all on the uh, on the recap show.